James Bible Study Part 3 St. James Proclaims the Solas For lay leaders and deacons to conduct after the Sunday service or during a midweek Bible study session. Hear the word of our Lord from James chapter 1 beginning in the 16th verse. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lutheran hermeneutic structure for understanding the Bible is law and gospel. These two voices with which God speaks to us are essential to our salvation in Christ. Now the law has three uses. The first use is a curb against evil here on earth. It mitigates the effects of sin. The second use is a mirror by which we are judged and we are shown to be sinners. And the third use is that of a guide, where the law comes up beside us and tells us how we should live our lives as saints in Christ. According to its second use, the law, namely the Ten Commandments, pierce us through with guilt over our sins, because we cannot meet its demands by our own power. No man may say he has only ever worshipped the true God, nor may he say that he has never borne false witness, committed adultery in his heart, and so forth. The law shouts in our ears that we are damned unless a Savior redeems us. The gospel is then preached, which provides that Savior, raising our spirits by telling us that Christ has died to pay for our sins and rose again for our justification. It is spoken of in many ways, usually by bringing up the unqualified promises of our Lord to us. The gospel provides a soothing balm for our troubled consciences, and by the mercy offered sweeps away our guilt. Then the law does not accuse us, but acts as a guide as we walk by the Ten Commandments and spread the gospel to others. The epistle of St. James does not neglect this hermeneutic. Some commentators, even Luther at first, see only law in it and only in the condemning, accusing second use. Yet today's passage speaks of the gospel and its sanctifying effect on us. While the book of James is primarily concerned with the third use of the law, to help the Christian become stronger and navigate dire circumstances, 
the author does not ignore the other uses of the law, and nor does he ignore the gospel. Instead, he brings them up that we may understand the motivations we have for doing good. Verses 16 and 17 say, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. In the preceding verses, St. James brought up that the steadfast believers receive the crown of life, and he warned us temptation comes from our own desires, which leads to death. It might seem attractive, then, to see this as an exhortation to earn this crown of life by avoiding temptation, extirpating our own desires, and fostering our own steadfastness in the faith. He does not want the believer deceived into thinking they can do such a preposterous thing. He does not want us deceiving ourselves. To the contrary, St. James wants us to know that all good gifts come from God. Salvation is just such a gift, as is the aforementioned wisdom and steadfastness. One does not merit these things by their works or dispositions, but receives them by faith as a gift. In other words, he does not believe in earning our salvation. To the contrary, even our sanctification is by and large a gift in which we participate. In speaking this way, St. James is bringing up the gospel and highlighting the way it is a gift from our Lord. He even says that this is from the word which makes us the first fruits, reflecting St. Paul's teaching in Romans 10:17 that by the word preached we are brought to faith. And he says this in order that we may not be deceived. It is not St. James's intention that his epistle should be misconstrued as a return to the Judaizers' way of works-based salvation. In spite of his previous seeming association with them in Galatians 2 verses 12 and 13, well, if there was ever a time in which he was a Judaizer, he repented of it. Verses 19 through 21 say, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls." with the same openness to the word of God which implanted their faith. St. James urges believers to be listeners first, and patient with their circumstances, avoiding a bad temper. When he says the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God, this is to say that the righteousness which we want to foster comes from the implanted word and not our own indignation. 
few realize just how angry we are at sin. While we are simultaneously saint and sinner, the saint part leads to a natural aversion to sin in all its forms. As we seek greater sanctification, there is a temptation to be angry at the sin of others or our own sin, and this is not productive. A man who falls to temptation, perhaps in his struggles with pornography or over-drinking, for instance, may feel angry at himself, angry at his tempters, or even just frustrated in general. But doing so does not actually stop one's addictions nor end the temptation. Instead of being angry, the author urges the believer to repent of sins by putting away, or that is renouncing, their iniquities and receiving the word. It is a different way of saying, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1 verse 9. Instead of becoming angry, we must go confess, put away or renounce our iniquities, and receive the word, that is, the gospel. If we receive absolution in faith, humbly listening to the words of grace poured out on us, then we are saved. If every good gift comes from God alone, then salvation is a matter of grace, not merit. St. James thus teaches us sola gratia, grace alone. And if this salvation is received by hearing the word which he has implanted in our hearts, then we are forgiven and declared righteous by faith. St. James teaches us sola fide, justification by faith alone. While it is predictable that someone might bring up the next chapter in objection, the tired misuse of James 2.24, these six verses demonstrate that their objection is incorrect. Sola gratia requires sola fide. If God saves us by his grace, such that all good promises and heavenly gifts come only from him, then any merit on our part cannot be received by earning it. Grace is received. If it is paid for, then it is no longer grace. Romans 11 verse 6. Even more fascinating is that St. James appeals here not to tradition nor hierarchy for salvation. For St. James, it is the word of God which can save our souls, not adherence to the proper authorities. He appeals to the word as the means by which God brought us forth into faith, salvation, and forgiveness. By stating the word to be sufficient for this, all sufficient, and granting absolutely no additional requirements, traditions, magisteria, etc., St. James proclaims sola scriptura. The word of God alone is the origin of our dogma and is both clear to understanding and sufficient for salvation. Now somebody might object that St. James is not speaking of the scriptures when he refers to the word. But may I remind you that he says he brought us forth by the word of 
truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. What has God promised us to be true, faithful, reliable, and inerrant? The word, that is the scriptures, from 2 Timothy 3 verses 16 and 17. It is inescapable from the text that St. James does not allow us any wiggle room for anything other than sola gratia, sola fide, and sola scriptura. If we may be so bold, St. James was a Lutheran. 